Listeners, start your engines. Tours, episode 29. Rob here. On this episode, Bree from the Geeky Waffle joins us to discuss 1996's Muppet Treasure Island, featuring a scene-stealing performance from none other than Tim Curry. This is the first time we're covering his films uh, in any Crooked Table production project, I believe. Uh, maybe more of that in the future, but that, that'll be a thing for another day. As always, you can find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods and other podcatchers, as well as CrookedTable.com. Go ahead and give us a rating and review wherever you're listening to this right now. Uh, for, for now, let's listen to a little bit of the trailer and then jump into our conversation about Muppet Treasure Island. The Muppets are hitting the high seas. <laughs> and everything in between. Here we go again. Walt Disney Home Video presents from Jim Henson Productions. We got Captain Fever. Kermit the Frog. Not bad for an amphibian. Miss Piggy. No more, Miss Nice Guy. <laughs> and the rowdiest crew ever. Hurry, Rizzo! I'm going as fast as I can. Muppet Treasure Island. Welcome to Franchise Detours, where we believe no movie series travels in a straight line. On this episode, we're continuing our Muppets mega series, going through 35 years of Muppet movies. And here we're talking about the fifth big screen adventure for Kermit and Company, Muppet Treasure Island from 1996. And I'm honored to welcome back to the show, Bree from the Geeky Waffle. Welcome back. Thank you so much for having me, Robert. It is always so much fun to come on here as a guest and talk about amazing films. (laughs) So tell people a little bit about uh, what you have going on and all all that stuff. Cause I know you, you have your hands in lots of different uh, endeavors. I do. I try to keep myself busy. Uh, (laughs) um, So, you know, obviously I'm with the geeky waffle and then I currently work in development right now. So I'm like working on four different shows and I'm also writing a horror film. Very exciting. Anything you can tease about about the horror film? Like what what genre were you in? It is a dysfunctional family meet ghosts. Okay. Okay. So kind of in a <laughs> very kind of so vague. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that sounds I'm getting hereditary vibes from dysfunctional family and ghosts. I guess that's more dysfunctional family and demons in that one. Spoilers oh, for hereditary. That's true. Uh, but okay. Okay. That's cool. Genre mashups often work in horror. We were talking just before recording about, uh, dealing with COVID and, uh, you know, the, the kind of mind games we play on ourselves when we're in isolation. I'm just, you were recovering from it myself. Uh, and we were kind of relating to that as far as cabin fever is concerned. So (laughs) I guess transitioning, using that as a, in a, as a transition for the second time in the last few minutes while talking to you, uh, what what is your what was your introduction to the Muppets proper? Because uh, we've talked we've had talked about Child's Play, we talked yeah. about Evil Dead. This is the first mega series on here. I think that you're coming on where we're not starting from, with the first film, which I think I is know, an interesting. Exciting! <laughs> no, we've got kind of kind of like 
weirdly like child's play the eight muppet movies have their own iterations you know, you have the the <laughs> The, the, the first three are Jim Henson was actually involved in prior to passing away in 1990. Uh, Christmas Carol and this one or the literary adaptations. And then I don't even know Muppets from Space is kind of in its own category before we got the the reboot in 2011 and, and you know, the sequel to that yeah, in Muppets 2014. But they're detour. You know, yeah, there's like, yeah. all right, let's. Uh, They're like, I don't know. Let's just keep this property fresh, and so they they went in that direction. So, what is your your history with the Muppets? Uh, now that we're coming in midway through this film franchise, um, well, I have I have always loved the Muppets ever since um, Muppet Babies. If you remember that, classic. oh yeah, Muppet Baby. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that show. I remember. There is like one film of the Muppet Babies where they retold Snow White. And right. that was probably one of my favorite things ever. Well, that's <laughs> the thing with, with that with that show. I think a lot of the reason why you can't really find it streaming anywhere is because there's so much footage from other things and like rights issues and, and things like that uh, and tied up in that show. But yeah, it's I think that was a lot of people's entry points at a certain point in the you know mid 80s early 90s because that show was on for like a decade following you know Muppets Take Manhattan uh That's right, it's, I don't think yeah. I ever watched Muppets Take Manhattan until I was older mm-hmm. um I feel like Muppets Christmas Carol maybe was the first movie I saw okay okay I, honestly I can't remember I mean Muppet Baby stuck out to me <laughs> it's it's so ingrained. I mean, that's the thing. Mupp- people that are into Muppets get into Muppets so early that it's yeah. like, how do how do you pinpoint? Well, what was my formal introduction into Muppets? You know, I think it's right for it's like blended yeah. all together, and you're like, what was it really? And I mean, just certain things stick out to you still. But yeah. I mean, because who can? I mean, weren't the Muppets also featured on Sesame Street, or am I crazy? Yeah, no, they Kermit was for sure, yeah. I, at least, yeah. So and there was they were they were part of part and parcel of the same family for a while, and you can see yeah. that reflected in the first few movies because there's Sesame Street cameos in those first three Muppet films. Yeah, so I feel like also just growing up on Sesame Street probably got my introduction that way as well. Oh gosh, because when did Menomonon come out? Like those Muppets again? That oh, that was the Menomonon is the Muppet. It's somewhere in the. I think it. I don't know if it debuted on the Muppet Show, but it was definitely on the Muppet Show, like yeah. in in like one of the first episodes, I think. Uh, but yeah, for because for me it was Muppets Take Manhattan. Okay. Uh, that was the movie when I was, you know, I have a 11 month old son right now. When I was probably a little older than he is now, that's the movie that was on repeat constantly that I was a little kid and wanting to watch over and over and over again. Uh, And that came out the same year that Muppet Babies launched. So those two properties are definitely my entry point. I think it's uh, one thing that I find really interesting about this franchise is that since it has been around for so long, some people like me got in when Jim Henson was still part of it. Some people started with, like you said, Christmas Carol and Treasure Island. And some people, you know, the kids today are now getting into the new Muppet Babies, the reboot that they have on, on uh, Disney Plus and or the, the more recent movies with Jason Siegel and things. So it's it's I want I'm curious about like how that changes a person's perspective on like, well, this is not my Muppets. Like what is in your mind? What is the Muppets? What is a Muppet movie look like? Is it an adaptation maybe? Because 
Christmas Carol was possibly your your entry point into that uh, that world? Well, I guess for me, it's not necessarily like a genre. You have the Muppets blended with film actors. That's how I always right. pictured a Muppet movie, you know? Like, you almost need that, like, actor there, which is why I, like, love the newer movies so much because they kept that up, you know? It's not like they just did away with it. Well, yeah, that, and I think that was part of in the first Muppet movie in 1979, that was part of why that felt so revolutionary. They're out in the world. They're not confined to a theater with a single human guest host. You know, it's like them interacting, Kermit on a bicycle. Everybody lost their minds when that happened. Uh, You know, which which sounds like a silly thing now, but like for the fact that what they were able to pull off technically in these movies is really impressive, especially back then. Which goes to show you why you don't necessarily need CGI. Right. Case right. in point, Muppets. <laughs> Muppets. <laughs> exactly. I took Manhattan literally, and I couldn't be more thankful. I, I think that's why I love like the Muppets and just like Jim Henson so much is because they draw you in without having to kind of fake it that they're, right. you know, they're Muppets. You logically know that they're Muppets, but yet they feel real. But yet something like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a really bad CGI thing where it's like, you can clearly tell it's CGI, but yeah. they're trying to mask it and be like, no, you you have to think this is real. But right. it's like, no, I clearly know that's not, you know, real. <laughs> like, Well, it, it's also, it's it's the kind of thing that so many kids' movies in the last 10, 20 years try, have attempted. You have Alvin and the Chipmunks in the world, cart CGI and, and you know, chipmunks running around. Uh, or the Smurfs, like every movie now, especially if it's based on an old cartoon show, those characters enter our world inexplicably. Now you have, the, I guess the most recent example would be the Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie, which is a movie that I enjoyed. I thought it was funny, but it's also, it's it's essentially that kind of thing. Like they feel like cartoon characters in the real world, as opposed to, you know, we've talked about, we did we had did an episode on, on my other show, Close Watch on Beetlejuice. We spent most of the time talking about practical effects. Look how cool That's this is. Good. And um, the same thing applies to the Muppets. You know, you'll see even in the 2010s movies, they occasionally use CG and whenever they do, it really bothers me because it, it, it feels, it, it's, it's just, they, it feels wrong. It's like, uh, what, what is happening? Out of place and yeah. you don't need it. Um, there was, I know this is getting on a little tangent, but totally I don't do. know if you ever watch a show called um, Greg the Bunny. I'm familiar with Greg the Bunny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, again, it was the use of Muppets, practical effects, mending, you know, their world with our human world. And it works. I mean, I think actually after Greg the Bunny, when Disney Plus tried to do that more, or ABC tried to do that more adult Muppet show, I think they they tried to take liberties like what Greg the Bunny did, but with Mm -hmm. the Muppets. And while I loved it, got canceled way too soon. Yeah. Well, that's been the Muppets struggle the last, you know, at least they came back in 2011. And then since then, it's just Disney doesn't seem to know what the hell they're doing with it. And, you know, I think that's maybe that's part of why I wanted to do this mega series. I'm like, I need Muppet content. I'm just going to make my own Muppet content (laughs) and talk about the Muppets and will more Muppet projects into existence. We got the Haunted Mansion, which was Yeah, which is probably the closest to the original kind of anarchic spirit that Disney has come in a long time. 
Uh, and then there's Muppet Mayhem that's supposed to happen, which is kind of centered on more of the electric mayhem, which I love that idea. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm hopeful that, that they can kind of turn it around. But at this point, this was an interesting point because this is, uh, you know, Jim Henson passed away in 1990. They did Muppet Christmas Carol. Kermit is, you know, voiced by voiced and performed by Steve Whitmire, who is in a supporting capacity. Brian Henson, Jim Henson's son, directed it. And then here, just a few years later, Brian Henson's back. You know, they're just kind of plugging the Muppets into a different literary adaptation. Uh, what was your initial, I guess, response to Muppet Treasure Island, especially since you saw Christmas Carol first? Like, did were you on board from the beginning with the idea of a, a Muppet pirate adventure, or oh. would 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 a different kind of approach would have uh, have been preferable? Because they were apparently. It was between this and sort, sort of a of, King Arthur riff. Yeah, King Arthur, yeah, which yeah. I I don't, I mean, a puppet dragon would be funny. I'm not going to lie. That but would be. I, it'd be interesting to see it, I guess, but I don't think I would be the same if I didn't have Muppets Treasure Island in my life. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, pirates, I mean, what? who doesn't love a good swashbuckler? You know what I mean? Well, at this point, that's the other thing that's so crazy that this movie came out and it and it got pretty solid reviews and it did decent enough box office. Uh, I think it was the first. I think it might have been the first Muppet movie to debut at number one. I don't know uh, at the box office. I don't know if it's just because it was a it was a quieter you know release date or what uh, or what the deal was because it only made around thirty million domestically, which is is okay. It like made its money back, but it kind of it was more in a break even stance at that point. I think. Uh, but it, it, pirate movies were not like a, a go-to thing. I think people now obviously think of Pirates of the Caribbean and how the, how popular those movies were for a time. And yeah. this is coming off the coming out the same year as Cutthroat Island, like notorious flop starring Gina Davis. And it's like pirate movies were a box office poison at this point. So I think it's kind of ballsy for the Muppets to be like, no, no, we're going to do our pirate movie and things are going to be different, you know, and this is a different brand of Muppet film because it's yeah. not cameo based because it's more plot focused because it is working from source material. And it's, you know, these characters that we know and love playing different characters with the exception of Gonzo and Rizzo again, like Christmas Carol. So it's, yeah. it's trying to also, recreate that formula. Miss Piggy played, Benjamina Gunn, who is supposed yep. to be Benjamin Gunn. So they definitely took liberties with uh, rewriting her character, but I thought it would, it, you know, it did really well. For yeah. what they did, yeah. I really liked it. I mean, I know they they were actually originally going to have, was it Gonzo and Rizzo as Jim and Hawkins? Or was that <laughs> yeah. Ozzy? Yeah. Yeah, it was Gonzo. I think they were just like, whatever we did in Muppet Christmas Carol, let's just do that again. So yeah, that's like, again, same director. And like, yeah. yeah. And I love that they kind of kept them as a voice of reason in a way. In a way, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're sort of, they're in the main story, but they're also sort of separate from the main story for at, at a time because... Yeah. Because Jim is kind of getting lured by Long John, and we'll talk so much about Tim Curry uh, in a minute. Because high high point of the film easily is is you know Mr. Curry, which we'll we'll get to. Uh, but yeah, so they're they're they start the adventure with Jim Hawkins, and then at a varying varying points, they're sort of sidelined from him. Jim's kind of doing his own thing, gets cat 
you know, captured by the pirates and, and then Gonzo and Rizzo are hanging out with, with Kermit and, or excuse me, Captain Smollett, Captain Abraham Smollett. It's weird to think of Kermit playing a character named Abraham, but you know, whatever it is, what it is. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do love the way that they inject Gonzo and Rizzo as sort of the constant, uh, kind of the way in that even if it's, even when the things happening to them around them are more adult in nature, you always have Gonzo and Rizzo there to kind of make sure that the little kids are still locked in. Uh, sure. and, and it makes the darker edges of which this is a Disney movie. So it's, I think the Muppet kind of, uh, you know, towing that line between kids entertainment and adult entertainment is sort of a little softened because it is a Disney film, but you still have the first the character to die on screen in a Muppet movie in this, which yeah. they remark on, which makes the whole thing feel okay because Gonzo and Rizzo are making a joke about it. Exactly. Uh, it it's <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it, it easily levels the playing field. It, the movie opens like a serious pirate movie, which I, I yeah. always forget, you know, it has this, this yeah. spooky narration and uh, these, you know, these they're digging, they're digging up for treasure. And then Captain Flint essentially kills the people that thus dug up the treasure uh, all like it kind of shoots right into camera basically. So mm-hmm. right from the off, it's you, you know, this movie has those sort of uh, life or death stakes, which I think was really interesting. Yeah. Did you ever watch, um, I mean, this was like an old movie, but it was Walt Disney's Blackbeard's ghost. I am not. No, I haven't seen that. So I, I watched that when I was little, I forget why, like my mom showed it to me, but I think that's why I had like such a fascination with pirates already. And also as a little kid going to the pirates of the Caribbean, I, it was like the only ride I didn't cry on, which my mom was like shocked at, you know, cause Haunted Mansion, I was like, please never take me on this again. Like, <laughs> and it was like her favorite ride too. So I was like, Oh, feel bad for you, mom. Um, but Pirates of the Caribbean, I loved it. I, I, I think like I always had a fascination with pirates. So when, Muppets did one I was like oh yeah this is 10 times more amazing and honestly it's the only way I remember the story of Treasure Island I just think of Muppet <laughs> I mean, you're like oh and then and then Kermit did this you're like oh wait a minute Kermit's not in it <laughs> I can only imagine someone watching this doing like a book report on Treasure Island like oh watch the Muppet version same difference right yeah it's the pig tribe what yeah yeah exactly <laughs> We're, we're spam and then spam comes in spam sorry uh there's a whole you know the story behind spam right that that character that there was a there was a lawsuit with that character that the hormel foods corporation uh, sued jim henson productions for using the name spam which is obviously a play on the canned meat spam for people listening and don't know what that is uh they really and sued over that they really sued over that and apparently the case was dismissed because the judge said there was a failure to prove damages and apparently is quoted was quoted as saying one might think Hormel would welcome the association with a genuine source of pork, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Um, so I, I made a, I obviously made a note of, of that because I just said that that's ridiculous and hilarious. That's amazing. Um, but yes, <laughs> this one definitely takes way more liberties with the source material yeah. than I'd say Muppet Christmas Carol actually pretty spot on. Like they don't really change a lot. Yeah. Yeah, they really they, didn't. They streamline certain elements of it. You know, uh, Scrooge doesn't have a sister in that version in, in, the, in the Ghost of Christmas Past segment, things like that. They kind of breeze through certain elements of the story. But other than that, like it hits those those bullet points 
pretty dead on. And I say this as someone who's seen a bazillion versions of that story. Treasure Island, this, yeah, this probably is my point of reference as well. Right. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I After the Muppets, I, I really didn't need a, anything else in my life. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Uh, I, it's interesting now, though, too, because if they wanted to do a Muppet, they did a Muppet Haunted Mansion. You mentioned the, the ride, obviously. We talked about mm-hmm. that. Uh, they could totally do a Muppet Pirates of the Caribbean if that franchise wasn't kind of tarnished now by right. the 6,000 sequels and, you know, now bringing Johnny Depp, who's a controversial figure, uh, into that. Like, I, I, they could totally do that uh, with any of these properties if they if they so choose. That's the, really the, good. that's the good thing of having the Muppets in the Disney fold. Like, any, any Disney-owned property, Muppets could kind of do their own thing with it. Mm-hmm. Which is honestly the most amazing thing. You know what? Stop giving me like Disney remakes, of, you know, live action. Just give me Disney remakes yeah. of the films using Muppet. Yeah, totally. I think I would like that 10 times better. Well, they, they're supposedly developing a uh, live action sword in the stone along with a live action, everything they they've ever made. So yeah. it, uh, why not? I, just go back to that King Arthur idea. Do a Muppet Excalibur or whatever, or Muppet sword in the stone, whatever you want to call it. And have that, you know, Kermit be Arthur, I guess, or have that be the human character. I think it's it's key. I agree with you what you said earlier. I think it's key to have that melding together of the human and the Muppet cast, especially in these literary adaptations where there are more yeah. plot focused. Those the other most of the other Muppet movies, it's just them trying to put on a show or them trying to, you know, get the gang back together or them trying to make it to Hollywood or wherever. These are much more plot plot driven there's like there's a lot of story to get through and you need the people to push story forward and so that the Muppets can kind of be on the periphery they also said about uh, Gonzo and Rizzo they're like they they weren't sure if they could deliver key emotional points and you know I I do think that moment I know we'll we'll get further into this but that moment with a gem and silver kind of Mm -hmm. their last like standoff yep I no, don't I agree. know if Gonzo and Rizzo could have delivered that emotional. Just don't know if they could have done it where, you know, you really feel it between Jim and Silver. Like there's a lot of unspoken words between the two. Right. And I don't know if you could have gotten it with Rizzo and, and Gonzo. Well, and and Kevin Bishop, who's playing uh, Jim Hawkins, this was, I think, one like his first movie, and he mm-hmm. was one of the first y- uh, young actors to audition for this role. And I, I don't, I don't, I think his performance is is fine in this. I think that is really that moment. I I agree. I made a note of that as well. How affecting that is. That's that's a testament to Tim Curry. Yep. He carries that, and you're oh. like Tim Curry. Looks like he's about to cry at what he's yes. about to have to do, and I'm I'm into it because Tim Curry's committing to the to not the bit, but to, you know, committing to this the character in this world. Yeah. And, and yeah, Oh, this is my, my pet lobster. That's totally normal. Why would I have a parrot? That doesn't make sense. You know? Uh, and so I think there's so much that Tim Curry brings to it that it's like, as far as the emotional weight of these stories, I like, I feel for the Muppets as individual characters and their, their own, you know, individual emotional journey, like any time with, Gonzo, you know, um, I'm going to go back there someday, that scene in the Muppet movie or all the stuff in Muppets from Space with him 
you know, feeling alone and feeling like, you know, by like, like completely isolated from the rest of the Muppets, like all that stuff. I, I buy into their emotional states, anything with the Muppets singing in a group, it's destroys me, which I've mentioned on this podcast already on, on pretty much every episode, probably at this point. Um, but like as far as the interaction with a, um, like a Muppet and a human, I don't know if I would have had that same. Yeah. I, if, if, yeah. if Tim Curry was holding a gun on Gonzo, I don't know if I would have been, I, I don't know. I don't think it would have played the same. It would have played, so. Oh, there's a Muppet on screen and talking to a person. This is supposed to be funny. Like it's like, I don't feel like our brains are programmed and in, in not to, to buy into that same connection. Yeah. I, I feel like it's different when it's Muppet and Muppet. Yes. Totally. As weird as that sounds, because you get that emotional um, ride, that roller coaster when it's like, you know, Kermit says something mean to Fozzie and you're like, Kermit, like, why don't you take a pause, you know, take a moment and realize like how much this means to, to Fozzie. And you get that emotional connection between Muppet yeah. and Muppet so well. Um through the emotional standpoint. So yeah, it, it's it's interesting how Muppet and Human, it's a little different, but uh, we kind of saw some of it. I, I know you're going to talk further when you get more down the line yeah. uh, with Walter and uh, what's his name? Jason? Jason. Gary. Gary. Jason Siegel's Gary is Gary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you kind of get a little emotional with them, but it's still, it's still missing something. Yeah. I think with that one, they sort of get away with it a little bit more because it's a Muppet we've never seen before mm-hmm. too. The the stuff in that movie, which people will hear, uh, I guess, yeah, a couple episodes from now, yeah. uh, they, this, that gets me the most is again, the Muppet stuff. It's Kermit walking around singing pictures in my head and imagining trying to get everyone back together and that kind of stuff that, that, that resonates with me more. The the Gary uh, and Walter, the whole manner Muppet thing is more humorous than it is yeah. poignant. Like I don't get all emotional during that. I think it's a good song, and I, you know, I like I like that they they you know I love the the sort of sentiment of these brothers and Gary having to sort of let Walter go and kind of live his own life, uh, which people will hear me get into when I get to that. But it's it's it, it, it's definitely not the emotional core of that film for me. Uh, in the way yeah, that it, in, in the way that Jim and Silver needs to be here, mm-hmm, exactly. So I, I think they were right. It's like Muppet and Muppet can have really emotional driven content. Human and Human can have really emotional driven content. But yeah, yeah. And this is also the first one where there's a child at the center, which I thought was interesting. the The first and I'd say probably only Muppet movie where there's a child as the main, a human child as the main character, not a Muppet. Not, you know, in the previous film, uh, Michael Caine delivering freaking Oscar-worthy performance as Ebenezer Scrooge opposite these Muppets, uh, oh. which is weird to say, but it's like probably one of the best Ebenezer Scrooge performances put on film. Uh, 100%. I and again, the, one, of my, one of my go-to Muppet Christmas, one of my go-to Christmas Carol adaptations as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they, get a, they get everything right in that one. And I think this one... I, this one I like, but I don't, it doesn't connect to me in the same way. I think part of it is because it's not a story that I have a history with. I think part of it is the songs are not quite on the level of Christmas Carol. Uh, what are your thoughts I mean, overall on the music in this one? I, I think Hans Zimmer's score is, is amazing. Like it yeah, feels like it's... Chakalaka <laughs> by Hans Zimmer. <laughs> I, I, 
I forgot that Hans Zimmer even did that. And I was like, oh my God, Hans Zimmer. Boom shakalaka. (laughs) Incredible. I mean, Cabin Fever is legit the one song I remember from this film. Um, Which probably says something, you know, it's like that's the most memorable song. There's not like... It, it has nothing to do with the plot too. Like that's the other thing where I'm like, it just feels like it was, in, it was included in the movie to be on the, the uh, Disney sing-along that they did do of this film uh, tied to this movie because it's, they, it starts out and you know, the, 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 the ship's in the middle of the ocean, there's no breeze and everybody's like, Oh, you know, sort of losing it. And then they sing the song and then the breeze goes and then they're back to normal. Like it's, it's yeah. totally inconsequential to the rest of the movie. It really is, but honestly, it's the best. And it's, it's fun. Um, I mean, when I think of Muppets Treasure Island, I, I normally just think of that song. <laughs> <laughs> See, for me, it's it's always Love Let Us here again because of the Kermit and Piggy stuff, the Muppet. Oh, because okay. I'm I I love those two and the way that that scene. Anytime we get Kermit and Piggy singing together. Like I, I, you know, I love those characters. I think they're, yeah. they're so much fun uh, playing off of each other. And then in this one, they're singing this love ballad while they're hanging upside down and about to, you know, fall to their death. And so it keeps cutting back and forth between them singing upside down, mm-hmm. having just re, you know, rediscovered, reunited after so many years, uh, the, the flame burning the rope and then, uh, silver sort of discovering, you know, uh, the treasure and then like celebrating and stuff. So it's, I, I, it's, I think that that's probably the one that stands out to me, but only cause I love Kermit and Piggy and I'm like, give me a Kermit Piggy number. Cause that's, that's the other thing I feel like might be missing musically in this film is that there's a lot of group numbers, but a lot of the, the, you know, the, the lyrics are sung by characters who aren't main core Muppets, you know, that's even, true. even on like sailing for adventure, like, they get uh, they get bits here and there. Fozzie gets a line here or there, whatever. But it's a lot of there's a lot of other Muppets on that ship that I, we've just met for the first time. And just to touch on that, the the roll call scene I always love. The roll call scene oh, is hilarious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what is it like? It's like uh, old Tom, really old Tom, dead Tom. <laughs> Head one of them is headless. I forget. It's just like. Wait, I'm holding his hand up, like all of that. I love all of that stuff. I mean, I do have to say, I love like the addition that we do get of the Muppets because I love the obscure Muppets so much. Yeah. Um, I think they add so much character, and like, I can't. <laughs> Sweetums was I can't. Re- I think he was in. He was in Christmas Carol, but probably, but not. Yeah, not a lot. In yeah. in this one, like. <laughs> He's one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> we get we get Sam the Eagle here, I think, for the first time in sort of a central role, mm-hmm. which you know it's it's that it's kind of that game that you people always play, like, oh, if they were supposed to if they were gonna do a Muppet version of X, insert, you know, whatever movie or show here, who would be what characters? And it's like you can't find a better Muppet for this role than Sam the Eagle. I think that's just the way I like, well, he's got a, he's the upholder of rules. He's like, oh, always making sure everyone's like towing the line. And that, that's Sam the Eagle. That's his vibe. That's, yeah. you know, no one else would fit that part. So I, I think it's yeah. fun to, to see him sort of doing his thing as Mr. Arrow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I love that he got to do that little bit of like coming back as a ghost to scare <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was great. I, I love and Jennifer Saunders is in this. Um, I don't yeah, think I thought a that lot of her. people 
know that. Like, she, how does she do that? <laughs> yeah, she's, that that early sequence uh, with Jim and uh, Gonzo and Rizzo, I think, is really fun. Billy Connolly, again, another actor who's really committing to it yeah. to the bit, and he's not in this movie a lot. Obviously, he's the aforementioned dead body, yeah. but uh, he does he brings so much. Like, he has such a memorable performance just in that like what ten minutes or whatever that he's on screen uh, because you you. Be- you know, he plays the stakes of it, but then in a way that it, it still feels, you know, uh, it still feels light. It still feels fun. It still feels like a Muppet movie, but it also feels like you believe that this guy is in danger at the same time, which I think is is the, the real trick to these kinds of movies, making them feel dark enough that uh, parents or adults watching these movies are are invested in what's happening, but not so dark that you alienate the small children who are just there to see Gonzo and Rizzo, you know, light each other on fire or fall in like, you know, fall into snow or whatever they might be doing. Right. I mean, I think that it goes to show like Brian Henson did so well at directing this movie. Um, yeah. To not lose that. Yeah. I think it's some of the, some of the more recent uh, Muppet projects, I think yeah. that they kind of lost that balance. I think like we said, Muppets Haunted Mansion, which we brought up now a couple of times, I think, with good reason, because it does, there are scenes in that, in that uh, special that are legitimately kind of dark and terrifying. Like there's that, there's one scene where the, again with Gonzo where he's looking in the mirror and he's sort of aging and like yeah. decaying. And it's like, Jesus, I was, I'm 39 years old now. And I'm like, this is kind of scary. <laughs> like I have a, I have a five-year-old and I, and you know, she dealt with it fine. She's actually, we're little, little by little, we've been showing her a lot of the eighties Things. We just watched Willow with her recently and okay. uh, things like that. So she's getting kind of, I'm trying to get her to that level of where we were as kids. We were like, eh, a little darkness in our, in our children's entertainment total, is totally not only valid, but I think kind of necessary. I, do uh, I mean, Labyrinth, but yeah. Labyrinth was one of my favorites. Again, yeah. Muppets. Uh, Muppets, <laughs> I think, need to be in more movies. I think so. I think so. More puppet characters in general. Yes. I think back in the eighties, that was the thing. Alf was a a hit show for like what, five seasons or whatever with a Muppet essentially as the main title character of the series. So, you know, uh, let's bring that back. Let's bring back puppets. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Fozzie is in this one is probably what one of the weirdest uh, bits, which is the uh, Mr. Bimbo living in his finger. Uh, Mr. Bimbo, the, the Mr. Bimbo subplot do anything for you. I, I always thought it was weird, but I was like, <laughs> I needed to just throw him in there. He's he got to do something. Okay, well, well I read something that Frank Oz, who was not uh, not performing the characters in this one as much because he was he's busy directing. He was probably making actually this is ninety six. He was probably making In and Out, which I think came out the year after uh, after this. Frank Oz, obviously, by that point was a big you know big deal director, mm-hmm. and did Bowfinger a couple years after that and all that. So. He he apparently wasn't super on board with the Mr. Bimbo thing early on, and then by the end of filming, it was came around on it. I think it's just it's one of those things that kind of like the screaming goats in Thor: Love and Thunder. You're either like you're here for it or you're or you're not, and you know I think it, it kind of wears people down <laughs> after a while. Yeah, I mean, I, he's in. I guess I've never really thought on it because it's so like yeah, he's that character now, like. <laughs> but it is like. <laughs> It is weird that, like, they set this up in the first place. Maybe, like, I should read the actual 
book eventually. Um, <laughs> it's, it is interesting, like, I, because they're trying to help reach a treasure. They don't want the pirates to get it. I always thought that was weird because I was like, oh, I thought Treasure Island was like supposed to be about like the pirates getting the treasure. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I wonder, I wonder if they I wonder if they changed that that around so the pirates aren't the heroes since it's a kids' movie. Yeah, I think so because they're they might like, have, oh, yeah. These shady pirates, they're bad. Don't trust them. <laughs> you can't have Kermit the Frog running around stealing things and stuff like that. Like you can't. You can't betray the characters in that way. I would assume is it was the thinking behind yeah, that. Yeah, um, because I always, you know, now that I'm like sitting back and thinking on it, I'm like, huh, you know what? <laughs> Don't think that adds up. <laughs> no, and, working and, and, for the government. <laughs> instead, Captain Samala comes in and he's like, "Who hired this crew?" And he does gets. I slipped into Kermit voice for a second there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's just like you know, you get you get classic Kermit sort of. L- losing losing his uh, his nerve a little bit there, which I always love when Kermit like kind of breaks that wholesome uh, demeanor for a moment and kind of gets frustrated or gets upset because it's again it's part of what makes these characters feel more real. Is like oh look they are air quotes human in in that regard and yeah. uh, he's the one that comes in here and he's like oh no alcohol on board throw it all over which again this is a kids movie and you have the discussion of of alcohol and on screen deaths and like there's actually you know intrigue and and murder and stuff happening wow. there's that one part in in um, sailing for adventure with the Long John's pirate buddies are talking about like slitting throats and stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's like, it's yeah, that's the kind of thing that we're, that I'm talking about. Like you, they keep that intact. Uh, so that it does feel a little, they feel a little, a little scary for, for I kids. Guess watching. It's like, you know, also kind of morals, like, right. You don't like, you know, we're, we're not meant to like Long John Silver. Right. Like, he doesn't get away. He does, but he doesn't. At yeah. the end, they, they kind of split the difference there. Mm-hmm. Um, and just before we get to Tim Curry, since we're now kind of getting to that point, uh, I did want to point out that I, I do love that even when Kermit is playing a different character and Fozzie's got a, a little a little man living in his finger, Gonzo feels like the most consistent. Like in all these movies, yeah. I feel like Gonzo is always Gonzo. Uh, even when he's, you know, even in the, well, in Muppet Christmas Carol, he's, playing Charles Dickens essentially too. But his characterization is so consistent to the point that you get him in here and he's he's getting pulled and tortured and he's like so on board um, for it, which is, which is again, is, is kind of kind of quirky and whimsical and different in a movie like this where he enjoys pain to a certain degree. Uh, so I, I just, I love Gonzo. Gonzo's always been a standout Muppet uh, to me. And um, I, I love that he, he, he is very much who we expect him to be every single time. He's kind of the straight man, if you will, right. of the whole Muppet franchise. Um, kind of like the everyday man, uh, <laughs> weirdly enough, because he's always our introduction yeah. to what's the craziness that's going on. Even though Gonzo, is he married to Camilla the chicken? I isn't there a scene in here where he's like sleeping and he's surrounded by chickens? So I don't know yeah, what his. I don't know. I don't not no judgment. Fetish. He's he's got like a bunch of fetishes. I guess that's kind of what I was alluding to with like the oh, torture thing. He's like, oh yeah, I like this. I need a. I need a dungeon. Yeah. Oh gosh. You know what? I 
I'm going to see Gonzo in a holding right now. <laughs> you mentioned the torture fetish. I... <laughs> I feel like that went over my head. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but the the point stands that because I and I think part of it is because Dave Goals has been performing that character since the Muppet Show. It's still to this day. It's yeah. probably one of the only characters that's still performed by the same person that that's that originated that character. Obviously, Kermit is on the third you know performer. Yeah. Uh, Frank Oz is retired from from the Muppets and all that stuff. So it's like. Dave Goals is like the only OG, I think, that's been there from the beginning that's still working that, you know, main, for what, main four? I'd say that's he's part of the main four. It's Kermit, Piggy, Fozzie, and Gonzo, right? So yeah. the only one of those four that's still being performed by the same person is Gonzo. And I think that's part of why maybe Disney is leaning more into the Gonzo's direction with like Haunted Mansion and, and yeah. uh, whatever else. I mean, it, it works because I mean, Gonzo has been, like you said, this consistent figure right. and you know, he is kind of like the everyday man because he's the one who introduces us to whatever is lies beyond. Right. Yeah. He has the, that like, like uh, more subversive underbelly for for adults, and then for kids, he's like, oh, he's just he's just adventurous and kind of down to try anything. He's like, oh, I'm gonna shoot myself out of a cannon because I could, and just for fun. I don't know, you know. And I, he's got that sort of carefree vibe about him. Yeah. Uh, we have to talk about Tim Curry. The uh, so so much fun uh, as this character. I think anytime he's on screen is is like the the best part of the movie uh, for me. Yeah. Uh, you, there's all these super cuts on YouTube of like Tim Curry laughing in different movies and shows or whatever. Mm -hmm. I feel like half of it is from this movie because Brian Henson, the, the, the creative team here, they know that the Tim Curry laugh is such a, an iconic sort of uh, irresistible thing to include. So you get like five different times where he's like, <laughs> like a fawing. Uh, what, what is it about Tim Curry that works so well in this movie? And, and uh, what does he contribute to this film? Oh, what a heavy-witted question. I mean, there is something magical about Tim Curry whenever yeah. he is on screen. Um, I had the fortune, uh, was fortunate enough to see him on Broadway and spam a lot. Nice. And he gives every performance the same attention the same level of commitment it was no different with Muppets you know what I mean like when I mean I feel like it was such a good I could only imagine him getting the script for this right yeah and just his reaction like I would have loved to see his reaction to be like this is with Muppets because I feel like his reaction would have been like this is what I've been wanting to do for the longest <laughs> time. only because I feel like it just shows how good of an actor he really is he doesn't treat these Muppets like they're Muppets he treats them like they're peers yes and I think that you need that it's kind of like what happens in Christmas Carol? It's why it's so believable. You have to treat these as co-stars. And every moment that Tim Curry is on screen, it is delectable. And he has, and he, not only that, he has to play 
the, which is weird to say about a Muppet movie, but he has to play the kind of nuance of this character for the most of the first half, I would say, where he's manipulating things from the sidelines. You know, he's obviously got his crew sort of implanted among the ship and, and he's sort of working Jim to find out about the map and kind of like legitimately befriending him a little bit too along the way. And then halfway through, he gets to put on the pirate suit and, and, you know, ham it up in the way that only Tim Curry can. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I love that there's sort of two sides to that performance and he, he sort of find, he finds a way to find the humanity in this ridiculous sort of over the top character that he turns into later on. I think that's, you know, it, you need, you need someone that's not only willing to play it straight, but also yeah. lean into it and play it big and, and have fun with it at the same time. And oh, yeah. Michael Caine, I think is, was kind of limited in that Ebenezer Scrooge is not, as fun. you know, he's not yeah, he's not a fun character no. until the very end where he gets to sort of you know kind of live it up, em, live it up and exactly Raise thank you it. yeah. Uh, well, you get like flickers of it throughout where he's dancing with the ghost of Christmas present and things like that. But he's a much more melancholy character for almost the entire runtime of that film. Whereas Long John just has to pretend to be a decent human being until halfway through, and then he's like, "Ha, oh, Tim Curry has arrived." Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, like all bets are off. I think what what goes to show how good he is is that through line because it's a testament to that end moment that you and I mentioned earlier. Right. You see how Jim kind of sees Silver as a father figure, you know? And I think in a way, through manipulation, Silver feels some sort of camaraderie with mm-hmm. Jim. Maybe he sees a little himself in Jim. You know, maybe he sees like, oh, like maybe he could have been a son I, I never had, you know? And I think how Tim Curry is as an actor kind of proves like that is kind of a through line. Even when he's playing it big and up, he still captured Jim, you know? He took his dad's compass away from mm-hmm. him, you know? I he wanted he was like, "Oh, you can you can be like me, you know, if you follow me on this path." And I think it hurt him to to have kind of Jim stand up to him, but probably in a way impressed about it. Yeah. And I think that's why it's like that new like you brought up the nuanced performance of Tim Curry. I think you get a sense of that in, in in his whole performance. And, you know, he's one of those actors. I mean, he does a lot with his voice, you know, but his eyes are so powerful in this movie as well. Yeah. Yeah. He play, he can, he in, in his best can go back and forth from being, hilarious and then terrifying and then mm. emotional all of the same. I mean, I think you kind of see flickers of all of that in what I think most people would consider one of his best performances, which is Rocky Horror Picture Show, obviously. Oh, yeah. Like that character, you're both like, seems like terrifying in moments, chasing Eddie with an axe yeah. uh, is hilarious at certain points. You also really feel for Frankenfurter, you know, later in the film, especially, I think, there's a there's a lot of complexity that that Tim Curry brings to it, and mm-hmm. if for nothing else, I think my my only complaint about Tim Curry in this movie is there's not enough of him. Uh, I think you know when he's not there, I'm 
it's it, you know it, it lacks that sort of pop uh, I think and and you get the sense that Tim Curry even would have liked to have some more to do because uh, you know I, I they they include the sort of meta commentary throughout this movie at, in, at different points like they do in most Muppet films mm-hmm. but there's that moment where he's like you know, come on, lads, this is my only number in the middle of a professional pirate. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, seriously, what's up with that? Tim yeah. Curry, you have you have in this film and he does he gets one song to himself, kind of. Yeah, I know. It's really it's sad. Uh they, they could have utilized him so much more. And I you're right, they should have, because he's oh, he's so good in this film. It's unbelievable. It's ridiculous this, how good he is. Yeah. And this was in a streak where he was, as you mentioned, he's always done a lot of voice work. There's so many animated series from the 90s, especially where you're like, oh my God, Tim Curry did this and this and this and this Fern and this. Gully. Fern Gully. And then Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. Yeah. Like this is like one of those big early mid 90s projects that introduced a generation to Tim Curry, who hopefully got older, went back and tracked down Stephen King's It and Legend and Rocky Horror Picture Show and oh, Clue, Clue and all these other things. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I think that already is just, you know, I kind of love that aspect of Muppet Treasure Island, that it's it's a gateway for future Curry fans. Honestly, yeah, it's a gateway to Curry. <laughs> I, so true. I'm wondering if this is like one of my first movies that introduced me to him, like him, him, you know? Probably. And yeah. it probably was. And what a way to be introduced to him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's like, honestly, that's the best. Give me more movies with them if possible. <laughs> it's true. Uh, and you get like the implication later on that that Long John and uh, Benjamina had a thing as well, which I think is is interesting because it's a, it's a, again that's not that's far from the first time a Muppet movie has implied Piggy and, and a human have had some because Charles Grodin had a whole thing for her in Great Muppet Caper, which was, which was another another uh, sort of subplot there. I love that that sort of you're like mm, how that whatever. Don't think too hard yeah. about it. Um, you can't think too hard <laughs> about those things. <laughs> but it's again a kind of a a is that a detail we needed in a Disney movie ostensibly for kids? I, I think <laughs> yes. <laughs> I no, I think, think yes too. Because it's like even Miss Piggy couldn't resist the charms of Long John Silver, aka Tim Curry. Exactly. Who among us can? Or keep it real. he couldn't resist her charm. There you go. I like it. I like it. Uh, let's see a few other things I wanted to make sure we mentioned the, the subplot with Rizzo and the rats that he charges them for like a cruise, uh, which (laughs) it's my favorite ending when the tourist finds the treasure. Yeah. Yes. I forgot that too. Every time I watch it, I forget about that. And it lingers on the ocean, like them, like playing in the water and all that. I'm like, why are we watching this so long? And again, and then you see them get the treasure. It's like, Oh, that's right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it. you have, my favorite ending <laughs> because of, and and then because of the subtitles, one of them is named Mr. Plagueman, which I thought was interesting. It's also sort of probably you know historic. It's probably somewhat yeah. historically accurate that the ship the rats got on the ships, and that's how they spread disease throughout Europe. Yeah, the people kind of uh, bringing them around. Uh, I love that the tour guide presents the actual jungle location from the movie Muppet Treasure Island. <laughs> In the movie Muppet Treasure Island, again, it's a kind of a classic Muppet vibe. Uh, Swedish chef kind of wearing a, wearing a pig nose and cooking and then 
the the uh, the food literally comments like how else we're supposed to get him in this movie. Uh, are there any bits like that's like, like that stick out to you that you want to make sure we shout out before we start going into the the legacy and, and ranking questions here? Oh, I mean, you brought up my favorite, which is the tourist restaurants. I mean, they are <laughs> my they they are probably not like it's like Tim Curry and then the tourist restaurants. Right. <laughs> like honestly, um, how I would rank them? Oh gosh, there's. Honestly, what what's so great about these, especially early Muppet movies, is that they break the fourth wall, which is great. And you know what it kind of reminds me of in a way? Um, what's that? Mel Brooks. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I can see that. It's like Muppet Mel Brooks, and I love it. <laughs> well, both uh, the Muppet movie and... Robin Hood Man in Tights, there's a scene where they're like, wait a minute, that wasn't in the script. Like, how, how yeah. did this person get here? That kind of thing, uh, which I always love. And there's nothing, Brie, there's nothing I love more than movies that reference movies. Yeah. Uh, and I don't mean movies about Hollywood. I mean, when you're watching a movie and they're talking about the movie that they're either obliquely or, you know, blatantly sort of being like, hey, we're in a movie. I just watched recently, the other night, my wife had did, and didn't see it in theaters with me. We watched the most recent Scream. I, I like all five of them. I think they're all all yeah. varying degrees of, of very good. Uh, and there's the scene in there where they're talking about like, you know, oh, another Stab movie named after Stab. Like, just call it Stab. Like all that stuff. Like all the meta humor. Oh, I love uh, I was, it. I, that's why like uh, Randy was one of my favorite characters in yeah. the Scream franchise because yeah. he's the one who comments that they're in a movie. Yeah, exactly. And so I, when, when that character comes in and... And it's like, uh, you know, oh, you're the star and you're this and it's breaking down what a recoil is. Love it. All of that stuff. I'm one oh, of the only great. people I feel like who really liked or really liked to loved uh, the Matrix Resurrections, which is basically like mm. all, all the ideas, blah, 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 as you're getting ready to write Matrix 4. And I'm like, oh, I'm watching Matrix 4. How, how could you do that? You're breaking the rules. Like, I, I love all that stuff. So whenever the Muppets do it or Mel Brooks, this says a lot about all these, those are two of my favorite comedy zones, Mel Brooks and Muppets. So I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, I think that's why I like enjoy it so much. And it's like reminded me of like Clue, which again, Tim Curry yeah, was in. Love it. And so I feel like, you know, Tim Curry just brought this sense of, I mean, cause again, in Clue, he was so committed. Yeah. And again, he played a manipulator. I mean, oh, he's just so brilliant at, getting you to to believe this kind of like false sense of who he is and then haha i'm actually this guy <laughs> yeah there's something about this movie in particular it's like i be, it's believable this story is believable i i believed for the longest time it was the actual selling of treasure island i mean <laughs> that's i mean it's just how i knew the story to be but i think it's because there is something so charming about the way the Muppets just tell these classic tales. They did a thing, like, I think they, probably the the same year as this or a couple of years later called Muppet Classic Theater that was released on VHS yeah. in the 90s. And that's like nowhere to be seen. And I've always wondered how that holds up because oh, I haven't seen it that. in about... 
25 years or whatever. And I, I always wonder if that Disney will ever, cause it did, it was, was produced by Disney. Like mm-hmm. if you go to the Wikipedia page for the Muppet productions, which I've done a lot, obviously, cause of this podcast in recent months, I'm just kind of, I finally watched Kermit's swamp years, which was not that great. Uh, and it's one of the only other ones is Muppet Classic Theater, but it's the same kind of vibe. It's them sort of telling, you know, fairy tales and elves and the shoemaker and things like that. Emperor's New Clothes with that kind of Muppet twist. And I've, I've often kind of wondered like, what is that? How would that even, would I even enjoy that now? Like what's, what's the vibe there? And, uh, yeah, they haven't put it out, but to your point about the, the buying into the story, it's it, to the point where when Smollett and Silver sort of have a, a sword fight, you're not like, Oh, this puppet's not going to stand a chance against Tim Curry. You're like, hell yeah, hero, villain, do it. Like you're like, yeah. you're invested. It's a, it's like a crowd kind of, it's like a cheering kind of moment when, when it, cause Kermit's just like sli- slashing off bits and pieces from his outfit. And it's just like <laughs> so funny. Uh, and then of course, when the tables are turned, he's like, oh, you know, I don't, I never believed violence solved anything anyway. I'm like, yeah, that's, there's the Kermit we know and love. Yeah. Uh, the pacifist coming back to the surface. Um, <laughs> So I, unless there's anything else we have to specifically sh- uh, shout out for Muppet Treasure Island, what do you think is the legacy of the Muppet, I guess, franchise in general or the movies specifically, since that's what, what we're talking about on this show? What is What have they contributed to cinema as a whole? The Muppets have brought up a whole generation. I feel like you and I are a testimony to that, where... It's not even just Muppets, really. I mean, they are one of the, I guess, like the top people. Because Jim Henson, that imagination just brought to life, I think, really has helped inspire a lot of people, whether people know it or not. These these foam... (laughs) creatures have taken on a life of their own. I'm trying to imagine a world like a a film like let's say just like the world of film right without the Muppets well I'm not sure if Sesame Street would have lasted for as long Mm -hmm. as it has I mean granted it's it's so powerful on its own but I think the Muppets are so standalone if you didn't have the the Muppets where would all the other puppets be right today, yeah. you know? Uh, so I think there's like a, a testimony to how, how well Muppets have withstood time. Um, yeah. The storytelling abilities uh, that we get from them, the comedy. Um, and honestly, like, like you were mentioning, it's like they throw morals into these you know, what's what's wrong from right, what's what's bad and not bad, you know? Can we trust these people? Can we not trust these people? And they're done in a way that I think has captured the attention of children. And it's very hard to do. And I think, you know, especially in the world we live in now, where, you know, you have five-second videos that mm, you know, yeah. the attention span has worn down, you know, like a lot of stuff doesn't capture the attention. However, there's still oh. something so powerful that Muppets, puppets have a way of capturing and holding attention still to this day. 
I don't think I've met a person that didn't like the Muppets or, or puppets, you know, in general because of this. And I think that that says a lot, you know, it's, there's something to be said about like the magic of practical effects and just how lovable these characters are to have withstood time. Yeah. I think it's, it's a, it's a sort of unique cross section between family entertainment. That's legitimately for the entire family, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that plays to adults as well as kids. It's, it's the the influence on puppetry. It's the influence on kind of sort of comedy that breaks the fourth wall and making that accessible for all ages. Uh, the practical effects, the darkness, like all of that. Like it's it's part of it's it's a very distinctive soup of themes and and uh, I don't know technical achievements and performances and and stuff. Like there's so many actors or comedians that people like us first saw in a Muppet show or movie and we're like oh that's steve martin that's that was the waiter in the muppet movie or yeah. whatever or joan rivers i i you know she's the, the the lady in the muppets take manhattan where her and piggy with working in the store putting makeup on to cheer her up or whatever like that's a lot of people like we were saying treasure island this is our reference point for treasure island sorry robert louis stevenson that that, yeah, that wasn't that one <laughs> that wasn't our you know that wasn't part of our curriculum in, in school i guess uh so we learned from the muppets but yeah it's 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 a very, it's a very specific niche that these movies I think fit. And then because of that, it's, it's sort of the old adage, the more specific things are, the more universal they feel, mm-hmm. I think. And, and I think that uh, the Muppets definitely work in that realm as well. So what is your ranking of the eight theatrically released Muppet movies? Great. Cause there are a couple that you're skipping here. Like yes. the Muppets Wizard of Oz. Oh, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> That's like that. The, I have, I am very loyal to my characters and franchises, but if you, if you forsake me that strongly, I just does. You're dead to me. Muppet Wizard of Oz doesn't exist. Yeah, that uh, was so bad. Like it's so bad, man. I did not. Or no, like, she was Glinda. She, she was both know. witches. I think all That's the witches. Right. I think all the witches. I really hated this movie. Yeah, so bad. So not included. That would obviously be the bottom. I think that's probably the bottom of just about every Muppet fans ranking. So. If we're doing every film that they're, that they've ever put out. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Mine might be a little controversial. Uh oh. Hot take alert. Okay. So just going off this list because obviously I think both of us would definitely have the Muppets and Oz down at the bottom. Definitely. I'm going to have to put Muppets from Space at the bottom. Fair. Then I'm going to have to put Muppets Most Wanted. Okay. The Great Muppet Cap- Caper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going with that. And then the Muppets <laughs> 2011. And then it's going to be... Okay, this one is get hard. Okay, it's going to be the Muppet movie. Mm-hmm. I'm stuck with the top three. I think the Muppets take Manhattan. Ooh, that's going to be my second. Christmas Carol's at top. Muppet Treasure Island, the third. There we go. Okay, so Treasure Island is at three. 
And then second was Christmas Carol, you said? Or no, Manhattan. Manhattan. Right. I think it's because Muppet Christmas Carol. I like I think that was You know what? (laughs) It's gonna be Muppet Take Manhattan than the Christmas Carol. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'm still trying to get over the Muppet movie as at number four. I was like, what? Yeah, it's a classic. Yeah. It is. Yeah. No, that's it's good. Just because like, it deals with, I don't know, I love anything where it deals with Hollywood and the Muppets. Like, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's definitely. Why I like the ABC one a lot. That didn't really last longer. I don't think. No, I know. I know. Reviews, but Which is a bummer. It is. Again. I, I wanted I, that whole thing. I loved it. I was like, Kermit's with a younger pig. <laughs> well, I think it's also like, I, there's been no, everybody right now, Hopefully, Muppets Mayhem will, will be a step in the right direction. I think Haunted Mansion is already I sort of a, a good indicator. Yeah. Yeah. I was really pleasantly surprised with it. Yeah. But Brie, this was so much fun. Thank you for coming on to talk about Muppet Treasure Island. Always a pleasure. Tell people where they so can... fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Tell people where they can find you on social media and everything yeah. you have going on. You can find me at Brie Osmude. Um, I'm sure Robert will write that in below because it's very hard to spell my last name. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's a little weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm so bad at posting on Twitter, but that's where you can, can find me. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again. And we'll, we'll definitely get you on here at some point soon. Yay. Thank you. It's always so much fun. And I had a blast talking methods with you. Big thanks to Brie Asmude from the Geeky Waffle for coming on to discuss 1996's Muppet Treasure Island. This is a film that's, as I said during the episode, not one I've revisited a ton over the years, but one that I always find somewhat more enjoyable than I did the time before. Due mostly to Tim Curry and a lot of the reasons we got into. But I want to know, what do you think of Muppet Treasure Island? I know this is sort of a touchstone for a lot of people who were the right age when this came out. And it's maybe, for a lot of them, their entry point into the Muppets. This is Christmas Carol. So let me know what you think of Muppet Treasure Island. You can find me on Twitter at Crooked Table, the same handle on Instagram, and via email at robert at crookedtable.com. For now, that's a wrap on another Crooked Table production. We'll catch you at the next stop when we'll be talking about Muppets from Space. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of a little KED. KED, I'm not